The following article from our Knowing and Doing Quarterly Journal is brought to you by the C.S. Lewis Institute. Our prayer is that this talk will help to deepen your faith and draw you closer to God. Five Ways to Prove the Existence of God by Thomas Aquinas, Philosopher and Theologian. Thomas Aquinas was born in 1225 in Rocca Seca, Italy. He felt a call to the priesthood and scholarly life of the Dominican order. Eventually, he received his doctorate while studying under St. Albert the Great. Aquinas being somewhat shy, his classmates were led to believe that he was not very bright. However, when his dissertation was published, his professor, Albert the Great, proclaimed in Thomas's defense, We call this young man a dumb ox, but his bellowing in doctrine will one day resound throughout the world. His best-known work, the Summa Theologica, addressed the philosophical and theological issues of his day, integrating a high view of Scripture as the inspired Word of God with a belief that God had also given human beings the gift of reason and logic. He was one of the most influential thinkers of the medieval scholastic period of history. His Christian apologetics laid a foundation upon which apologists have built throughout our present day. In this classic passage, Thomas presents five clear arguments for the existence and goodness of God. Whether God Exists St. Thomas Aquinas Objection 1. It seems that God does not exist, because if one of two contraries be infinite, the other would be altogether destroyed. But the word God means that he is infinite goodness. If therefore God existed, there would be no evil discernible. But there is evil in the world. Therefore, God does not exist. Objection 2. Further, it is superfluous to suppose that what can be accounted for by a few principles has been produced by many. But it seems that everything we see in the world can be accounted for by other principles, supposing God did not exist. For all natural things can be reduced to one principle, which is nature, and all voluntary things can be reduced to one principle, which is human reason or will. Therefore, there is no need to suppose God's existence. On the contrary, it is said in the person of God, I am who am. Exodus 3 verse 14. The first and more manifest way, is the argument from motion. It is certain and evident to our senses that in the world some things are in motion. Now, whatever is in motion is put in motion by another. For nothing can be in motion except it is in potentiality to that toward which it is in motion. Whereas a thing moves inasmuch as it is in act. For motion is nothing else than the reduction of something from potentiality to actuality. 
but nothing can be reduced from potentiality to actuality except by something in a state of actuality. Thus, that which is actually hot, as fire, makes wood which is potentially hot to be actually hot, and thereby moves and changes it. Now, it is not possible that the same thing should be at once in actuality and potentiality in the same respect, but only in different respects. For what is actually hot cannot simultaneously be potentially hot, but it is simultaneously potentially cold. It is therefore impossible that in the same respect and in the same way a thing should be both mover and moved, i.e., that it should move itself. Therefore, whatever is in motion must be put in motion by another. If that by which it is put in motion be itself put in motion, then this also must needs be put in motion by another, and that by another again. But this cannot go on to infinity, because then there would be no first mover, and consequently no other mover seeing that subsequent movers move only inasmuch as they are put in motion by the first mover, as the staff moves only because it is put in motion by the hand. Therefore, it is necessary to arrive at a first mover, put in motion by no other, and this everyone understands to be God. The second way is from the nature of the efficient cause. In the world of sense, we find there is an order of efficient causes. There is no case known, neither is it indeed possible, in which a thing is found to be the efficient cause of itself. For so it would be prior to itself, which is impossible. Now, in efficient causes, it is not possible to go on to infinity, because in all efficient causes following in order, the first is the cause of the intermediate cause, and the intermediate cause is the cause of the ultimate cause, whether the intermediate cause be several or one. Now, to take away the cause is to take away the effect. Therefore, if there be no first cause among efficient causes, there will be no ultimate nor any intermediate cause. But if, in efficient causes, it is possible to go on to infinity, there will be no first efficient cause, neither will there be an ultimate effect, nor any intermediate efficient causes, all of which is plainly false. Therefore, it is necessary to admit a first efficient cause, to which everyone gives the name of God. The third way is taken from possibility and necessity, and runs thus. We find in nature things that are possible to be and not to be, since they are found to be generated and to corrupt. And consequently, they are possible to be and not to be. But it is impossible for these always to exist, for that which is possible not to be, at some time is not. Therefore, 
if everything is possible not to be, then at one time there could have been nothing in existence. Now, if this were true, even now there would be nothing in existence because that which does not exist only begins to exist by something already existing. Therefore, if at one time nothing was in existence, it would have been impossible for anything to have begun to exist. And thus, even now, nothing would be in existence, which is absurd. Therefore, not all beings are merely possible, but there must exist something the existence of which is necessary. But every necessary thing either has its necessity caused by another or not. Now, it is impossible to go on to infinity in necessary things which have their necessity caused by another, as has already been proved in regard to efficient causes. Therefore, we cannot but postulate the existence of some being having of itself its own necessity, and not receiving it from another, but rather causing in others their necessity. This all men speak of as God. The fourth way is taken from the gradation to be found in things. Among beings there are some more and some less good, true, noble, and the like. But more and less are predicated of different things, according as they resemble in their different ways something which is the maximum. As a thing is said to be hotter, according as it more nearly resembles that which is hottest. So that there is something which is truest, something best, something noblest, and consequently something which is uttermost being. For those things that are greatest in truth are greatest in being, as it is written in Metaphysics 2. Now, the maximum in any genus is the cause of all in that genus, as fire, which is the maximum heat, is the cause of all hot things. Therefore, there must also be something which is to all beings the cause of their being, goodness, and every other perfection. And this we call God. The fifth way is taken from the governance of the world. We see that things which lack intelligence, such as natural bodies, act for an end, and this is evident from their acting always, or nearly always, in the same way, so as to obtain the best result. Hence, it is plain that not fortuitously, but designedly do they achieve their end. Now, whatever lacks intelligence cannot move toward an end unless it be directed by some being endowed with knowledge and intelligence, as the arrow is shot to its mark by the archer. Therefore, some intelligent being exists by whom all natural things are directed to their end, and this being we call God. Reply to Objection 1 As Augustine says in Inshridian 11, Since God is the highest good, he would not allow any evil to exist in his works unless his omnipotence and goodness were such as to bring good even out of evil. 
This is part of the infinite goodness of God, that he should allow evil to exist and out of it produce good. Reply to Objection 2 Since nature works for a determinate end under the direction of a higher agent, whatever is done by nature must needs be traced back to God as its first cause. So also, whatever is done voluntarily must also be traced back to some higher cause other than human reason or will, since these can change or fail. For all things that are changeable and capable of defeat must be traced back to an immovable and self-necessary first principle, as was shown in the body of the article. Reply to Objection 2 Since nature works for a determinate end under the direction of a higher agent, whatever is done by nature must needs be traced back to God as to its first cause. So also, whatever is done voluntarily must also be traced back to some higher cause other than human reason or will, since these can change or fail. For all things that are changeable and capable of defect must be traced back to an immovable and self-necessary first principle, as was shown in the body of the article. Thank you for listening. The C.S. Lewis Institute endeavors to develop disciples who will articulate, defend, and live their faith in Christ in personal and public life. This takes the form of discipleship programs, area-wide conferences and seminars, pastor fellowships, and resources in print and on the web. For more information about the C.S. Lewis Institute, or to support this ministry, please visit our website at www.cslewisinstitute.org.